Reverse Interview Podcast, Episode 1. Now is the perfect time to find your dream job, but it requires a fresh look and a unique twist. That's why Charles Woolsey is here to extract proven solutions from today's experts and make your dream job a reality. Welcome to the Reverse Interview Podcast. Get in, get hired, get promoted. Here's your host, whose first job was as a whitewater raft guide, Charles Woolsey. Yes, I was a whitewater raft guide at 14 years old on the Chattooga River. That's the same river Deliverance was filmed on, and actually my friends doubled for the actors in that movie. But that was a long time ago. Let's talk about getting things done now. And I don't know about you, but there are times when I feel like I just don't get as much accomplished in my day as I plan to, because things just keep coming up that take me off on a tangent. And things just keep coming up that I don't want to do, so I find an excuse not to do them. Then I finally found something that works for me, so I wanted to share it with you. So if you're looking for a job and not doing enough of the right things consistently, like every day, then you might want to consider getting some help. Today I'm talking to Ryan Roy, an accountability coach. You see, I've gotten very good at keeping my commitments to others, but I fell into a bad habit of not honoring my commitments to myself. Having an accountability coach is kind of like having a personal trainer. If they're good, they'll push you and help you get more out of yourself. There might be times when you don't like them very much, but you're going to love the results. You're about to hear about Ryan's journey as we talk, but right now what he enjoys doing more than anything else is helping others get moving on their goals as an accountability coach. Here's the interview with Ryan Roy. What was your first job? We have to go quite a ways back there, Charles, and and, and believe it or not, my first job, I was five years old, and I was hired by my older brother to deliver his papers on his paper route. He paid me $5 a week at the time, and I remember at the time, uh, come payday, which was Friday, he had a bunch of money left over. And I asked him, whose money's that? And he said, well, it's mine. And I realized right there and then, at the ripe age of five, that... I was an employee of my brother, and I think an entrepreneur was born born that day. So he was paying yeah. you some subset of what he was making? Exactly. And you realized that he had a bunch more money left over after you were doing all the work? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be pretty eye-opening at uh, five. I wasn't expecting a five-year-old answer. I was expecting something more like high school age. Well, well, it's interesting because we can move in the high school if you want to look at like what my first, you know, W-2 form job was. And I was actually a busboy in a restaurant. And it was actually a conscious decision from that first job that although I didn't have the full control of the money that I was going to bring in, I had the opportunity to make more money based on uh, a commission or a tip system so that I would be able to make more money than what my friends were making at, say, uh, uh, the local grocery store bagging groceries at a set amount. So I had made a conscious decision that I didn't want to work for uh, a set amount of money, but I wanted to at least have the opportunity to make a little bit more through uh, the tipping process in a restaurant. And that's why I made a conscious decision to uh, to be a busboy, believe it or not. So that you had some incentive to make more money based on the merit and the, and the service you provided rather than just an hourly rate. Absolutely. Cool. Any other jobs you want to talk about? Or you want to get into what's happening now? 
Well, well, you know, we we can talk about uh, my first job out of college, and and I will tell you there there is a a, a pattern here of of all of these jobs because we are talking about employment today. Is if, if you look at my first job as a five year old, my brother got me at a job. I knew somebody. The second job, uh, believe it or not, it was a restaurant that my sister was working at, and she got me the job there. And then coming out of college, uh, my degree was in finance and international business, and my a dream and aspiration was to become a financial advisor. And I got a job at a larger brokerage firm as a financial advisor. But once again, I knew somebody. Uh, right. I, I had a, an in with a, I put myself through college waiting tables. Uh, one of the hiring clients that I had uh, liked me, uh, asked me when I was ready to graduate. He knew that my degree was in finance. And when the opportunity arose, uh, I took it. He offered me uh, an interview, and I took the interview and got the job. I did that for a total of three months until I realized <laughs> that that just wasn't for me. As I said, I've always been an entrepreneur. I wasn't in – what I discovered about the business was something other than what I had thought it was, and I made a quick decision, although I just spent four years of my life putting myself through college – uh, to become this financial advisor, once I realized what it entailed, it just wasn't in my, let's say, it wasn't integrity with what I wanted to be uh, to myself. So I decided to leave that position. Can I, can I ask you another question or two about that? Absolutely. It, I, I think a lot of people going into college, myself included, project out what it is you think you want to do and many times – Money is a large factor in what that decision is and what you want to study in college. And the career that you, the career path that you chose sounds like one of those careers that could be driven by a monetary incentive. Just curious if that was one of the major things that you were looking at. You know what? That almost defines exactly why I went into it. Um, to give you a little bit of my background, uh, I, I grew up and there, to, to be quite honest you, with you, there wasn't a lot of money in the household. Uh, so part of my thing was I'm going to go and acquire that so that I don't have to um, suffer the consequences of not having money in the house uh, as an adult. That's going to be a conscious choice that I'm going to go and make sure that at, at the very least I am taken care of financially. And to be honest with you, I've been very successful in, in a number of businesses and it hasn't served me the way I thought it would. What What really impresses me about that, though, is you figured that out in three months. For many people, it would be three years or three decades doing something that they weren't in integrity with before mm -hmm. they realized that it was time to move. So three months, that's that's pretty impressive. Oh, thank you. So you've done a lot of different things. We talked a little bit before about some of the other things you've been into, but I am particularly interested in what you're doing right now. Go ahead and tell me tell me what it is you're doing right now that's really moving you, that's keeping you in integrity with what you want to be doing and how you see yourself uh, helping other people. Well, currently I am, I've, I've started my own coaching business. Uh, I am an accountability coach and many people out there might be asking the question, what is an accountability coach? And I describe it this way. Many times in our life, or all times in our life, as a child, when we started out, we were accountable to our parents. Moving forward, we went to school and we had teachers that held us accountable to do our work and, and, and learn the things that we needed to learn. Uh, once we graduated 
college, whether it be high school or higher education, we go into a, a job and our bosses hold us accountable. So there's a lot of things that we like to do outside of work. Some people like to start businesses. Some people just want to get fit. Some people need help in their relationships. And I am the person who gives them a different perspective and holds them accountable to whatever it is that they want in their life that they're struggling to achieve on their own. Because in reality, we're only accountable to ourselves. And how far does that go sometimes? And I could give you a simple example of going to the gym. I know a lot of people struggle with getting to the gym, but everyone wants to look great and feel great. And they say, I'm going first thing in the morning before work. And then, you know, that alarm clock rings and they just hit that button. And who do they have to answer to? Absolutely nobody but themselves. So the very next day when they don't do it again, it falls into the same pattern. And I'm the type of person uh, in my career that gets them to commit to me. And just because they're committing to somebody else and telling somebody else they're going to do it, a lot of times it gets done. That's interesting. I, I have had, I think I got my first coach almost eight years ago. But the coaches that I've had over the last eight years have been to teach me or struck, you know, go through their process of how they got to do what they're doing to, you know, to coach me in that area. And it sounds like more what you do is not telling somebody what they need to be doing, but allowing them to figure that out for themselves and then just encouraging them to go for what it is that they're committing to themselves to do. Yes and no, because on, on twofold, some people know where they want to go and other people need to be directed where they want to go. I am what they consider to be a life coach. I work in all facets of somebody's life, whether it be their business, their personal, their relationships. Um, but what I like to focus on as a coach is how they're actually getting it done. So although I help in strategy and help in in how they want to formulate their goals because a lot of times people really don't know how to formulate goals. You know, a lot of us attain goals or have an idea of what we want, but literally the wording of those goals tend to be how we get to those goals. If you say you want to do something versus I'm going to do something, that's a totally different thing. Just the wording of something is empowering enough. And some people don't know how to get from that point to that point or the difference in it. So I coach them through that. But more importantly to me, like I said, I like implementation and how we're doing this on a daily basis for you to get to that end goal. I know exactly what you're saying, Charles, in regards to coaches. A lot of, a lot of coaches give strategy, which I also do. But I think the real value comes in my coaching that I hold them to actually doing what they say they want to do. And we set up a plan for that to happen. Just in full uh, disclosure here, I want to say something that I, I mentioned I had coaches over the last seven or eight years. I, I found in the last year or two, I wasn't really accomplishing as much as I wanted to. And my current coach that I had was good at coaching what he knew, but he really wasn't very good at making me do what I needed to do. So I started, I put this intention in my mind that after, after this next six months, I had a contract with him for six, for another six months, that it was time to find another coach and that what I needed was an accountability coach. And just putting that intention out there into the world, the very next week, the coach that had committed to me to be around for the next six months told me that he found something that was more important to him and he was no longer going to be coaching. And then the next week, I met Ryan. 
found out he was an accountability coach, and I liked I, I liked your approach to life. I liked your no BS directness and the things that you had accomplished. And there's there's a thing I'll, I'm going to digress just for a minute. In one of my books, I wrote about your RAS, your um, particular activation system, and that is when you focus on something, it tends to bring that into your world. It sounds kind of kind of new age hocus pocus and for an engineer like myself it's it's it sounds a little weird but it really does work that just as an example you're focused on your name and you could be in a crowded room with dozens of people out there talking but someone speaks your name and you're instantly tuned into it and just by the the thought that I, I it was time for me to make a change I needed a new coach I needed a, a an accountability coach and I put that out there, and I was attuned to it. And I probably never would have noticed when I got an email from you that it said at the bottom, accountability coach. But because I was tuned into it, I saw that. And because of you know spending some time with you and getting to know you better, you seem like the exact kind of person that I was personally looking for. So I just want to throw that out there, that that is how we met. And that's why you're on this call is because of how much you've done for me so far in just the first two or three work, weeks that we've been working together. You know what, Charles, that's what I'm meant to do. And, you know, that actually brings chills to me hearing you say that. I appreciate all those kind words that you just said. I, I want to go back to what you said on focus. And I always say in the coaching is what you focus on expands. And what I try to get my clients to do is focus on their goals, but not only focus on the big goal, but to focus on those small, tiny goals within the big goal and to work on them on a daily basis. And when you work on something on a daily basis, number one, it becomes a habit. And when it becomes a habit, it doesn't seem like work. And in your work that you do, I think you really enjoy it. And I think you've, over the last three weeks, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but have really enjoyed your work much more because you see yourself getting that much closer to your your end goal, if you would. Life is about moving forward. If you're, They say you're either growing or you're dying, and I didn't really understand that before. Why can't you just stay where you are? But in, in my experience, to be happy, you have to be moving forward. And moving forward at a faster pace can make you feel even happier. So, yes, I have been much happier in the last few weeks just because – even though I was moving forward before, I feel like I'm moving much faster in a much more focused manner directly on those things that will get me to where I want to go with less extraneous motion. I love hearing that. Because a lot of times we do things thinking we're accomplishing something, and I'm talking about me. <laughs> we do things where we think we're accomplishing something, but really we're just in motion trying to fool ourselves into believing that we're accomplishing something but we're really not. And, and also, there there tends to be things that we know we need to do that we avoid. And when it's just a commitment to yourself, sometimes those things are easier to avoid than when you're making that commitment to someone else. You know, that's a great point you bring up, Charles. A lot of people uh, within the coaching, I find they're busy. They're people who are busy, but they're not necessarily busy accomplishing the things that they want to accomplish. The busyness is actually a mask for their fears towards whatever it is that they really want to achieve. I, I could give you an example that, let's say a, a real estate agent, he wants to sell houses. His ultimate job is to sell houses and, and to get listings for these houses. But he's continually sending out emails or creating materials marketing-wise because he's like, well, if nobody knows what I'm doing, I'm not going to be able to sell houses. 
and he's really great on, uh, let's say, PowerPoint or structuring things that he could do to market himself, and he spends a lot of energy doing that. And he thinks, well, I'm busy. I'm doing my job. But his actual job is to sell. He thinks because he's busy creating marketing materials and not actually putting the marketing materials out because he's like, well, he's a perfectionist. He needs it to be perfect before he puts it out. He's never really selling houses. So what we get to do with this individual is we'll, we'll take him and say, yeah, you're absolutely busy and you're doing some of the right things, but your energies are focused in the wrong area. You're never going to sell a house if you're not actually selling. And we try to get him to spend less time in what he's doing and go over and do the things that are really going to produce results for him. And sometimes people don't recognize that that's what they're doing to themselves. So the viewpoint of a coach is from the outside looking in, I ask them what their goals are. And through my knowledge of the multiple businesses that I have done, uh, whether it be a, a financial advisor, I invested in real estate myself. I've had multiple eBay businesses. I was a headhunter for a number of years. So with my myriad of, of business expertise across the board, I'm able to see how they could create a better system within their business that'll work for them so that they could actually reach a lot of times financial goals, but more importantly, time goals because time is our, our most precious asset. And, and I'll relate this to you right now because uh, you've shared with me that over the last few weeks, now that you're focused on your goals and you're able to complete them within a, a certain time frame within the day, you're able to enjoy the things that you're able that that you enjoy more in life. Some of your hobbies that you've been able to devote time to, admittedly, without reservation now, without guilt, because maybe you haven't done things that you knew pertain to your goals. So what we free up mostly uh, within my coaching, in my opinion, is the time freedoms for people to really create the lifestyle that they want in the balance within their life to do the things that they really love to do outside of work. Yeah, and for me especially, it was not just the time, which I made the time for them before, but it's the the mental freedom. It's the giving yourself the permission to do it. Not only the permission to do it, but allowing yourself to enjoy it because you know you've earned it and you deserve it, rather than if you're sloughing off in something else and feeling like you should be doing something that's quote-unquote more important rather than enjoying yourself. Let's move on a little bit now. Let's uh, talk about maybe the biggest hurdle that you've had in your career and faced and maybe how you overcame it. Wow. Uh, the biggest hurdle. I, I can actually share two that come to, to, to the surface of my mind right here. And, and the first one we talked a little bit about. Uh, there was a little bit of apprehension of leaving a job that I've only been in for three months when I left that financial advisor position. I remember at the time I had only been out of college maybe six months. I got the job pretty quickly out of college and I had a roommate. My roommate was going to the University of Miami. I was in South Florida and I was working in downtown Coral Gables, which is where the University of Miami is. So we had an apartment together and I came home for lunch that day and he was working and I asked him a simple question. I said, give me one reason that I shouldn't quit. And I remember very vividly, he turned around in his office chair, looked at me. He had known me for a number of years. He knew the high level of integrity. He knew the hardworking person I was. And he said to me, I've known you for a number of years. I know how hard you work. He goes, I know how dedicated you are to things. I also know that over the last three months, I've never seen you more miserable. He goes, so I don't have anything for you. And I didn't go back to work. 
I actually went back the next morning before anybody else had gotten there. I packed up my desk and put my things in my car. I wouldn't give the opportunity to my employer to talk me out of it. So when he walked in and he was happy to see me there early, uh, I explained to him the reason I was was because I was leaving and I just wanted to say goodbye. And he tried to convince me, but I had given him an opportunity several weeks earlier when I expressed my concerns and nothing happened between those that three-week period. So I didn't expect anything to change from this next conversation. So that I, didn't, I didn't allow that conversation to happen. When you put four years of your life into something and that's what you think you want to do, but it's just not sitting well in your gut and you're struggling to walk into work, nobody should have to experience that. If that's how you feel going into work, that's not what you're supposed to be doing because nobody should have to struggle to get up on Monday to do something that they hate to do. And, and to be quite honest, I hated doing what I was doing. So it was a struggle. The second one that comes to mind, and, and this one's much bigger than that one, is I actually found something I love doing. I started buying and selling real estate, flipping my own homes, fixing them up. And, and how I got that education was actually from reading a series of self-development books and real estate books on how to do that. And after about a year of sitting around and, and having an eBay business and now supporting me, and gave me the time freedoms to learn about real estate, I was doing exceptionally well for somebody that didn't have any prior background in it. I found fascination in every morning getting up and something new, finding a new house, having to find a new contractor to fix a new problem that I never knew about before. It was a big learning process for me. And in the process of learning, I was making a great deal of money, which we talked about earlier was important to me. So came 2007. I started doing that in about 2004. So I had three exceptional years in a row. And then 2007, I had about five properties that were up for sale and the real estate bubble hit. Banks weren't giving out loans to people. And I had properties that needed to be sold because I was, you know, upside down. I was using OPM or other people's money, the things I learned what to do in the books and things that had been working for me for three previous years. I had a, a, a pretty good amount of money in the bank that was my own from previous deals. And I had to deplete all of my funds. I started still trying to sell the houses, but they just weren't selling. I had a great deal of money of my own personal money into it at this point. And I literally got down to my last thousand dollars maybe in my bank account and still had five properties. My monthly bills on these properties including my own personal bills, was about $30,000 a month, and I only had $1,000 in my bank account. Failure, uh, yes, felt that way. I had to ultimately declare bankruptcy for $1.3 million. At the time, I was ashamed. At the time, I felt like a big failure. At the time, I felt as though I would never be able to be an entrepreneur again. I had failed. I wasn't good at it. Uh, yeah, I made a great deal of money, but I lost it all. Today, one of the biggest lessons of my life, it made me realize because I had acquired a great deal of money that that wasn't my sole purpose in life was to have a great deal of money because you have a great deal of money if you don't know how to manage it or you don't treat it properly because you don't know, you've never had it, so you don't know how to treat it. Uh, you always think it's going to be there. I could go on and on about this lesson. It is the biggest lesson of my life. I'm glad I went through it because it makes me the person I am today. And today, as an accountability coach, 
I don't seek dollars. I seek helping people. And through helping people, I find that the dollars are coming in and they're enough to support me the way I want to be supported because the material things aren't as important anymore. Which kind of loops us back to where we started with when you got out of college and going after the money and apparently that crept back in a few times over your career and you're kind of settling back down to what is it that really does make you happy since you've you sought the money, you found the money, and found that maybe that wasn't the ultimate answer. Absolutely. I can tell it's very evident from talking to you, listening to you, how you approach your your life, your work, your jobs, your, your goals, that you must have some overall guiding principles that you live by. Could, could you share one of those with us? I don't know that I have some overall guiding principles. I, I know some things are very true for me. One of them is if you haven't given up on your dreams, then you haven't failed. A lot of people would consider what I went through a huge failure. Uh, I look at it as a, a learning curve. My mother used to always say when I was a child, I was always somewhat of a perfectionist I, and I would make a mistake. And my mother would always say mistakes are good as long as you learn from them. And I like to think that I learned from the mistakes that I made in those real estate deals. I am more cautious, if you would, although I'm still a risk taker when I approach things, but I approach them with glasses on now because I've been there. I would say for people out there, uh, continual movement forward is something that you should always strive to do. And you talked about that earlier when you said that now that you have clear goals and you're moving forward, that what's that is what makes you feel alive. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Whenever I am what some people would consider to be busy, the more busy I am and the more that's going on in my life, the more alive I feel. So I would say to people, just make sure you're always moving forward to whatever it is that you want to do. And there's always going to be challenges within reaching goals or, or going towards things or seeking out that, that career that you really want. But within that, you know, realize that you have to enjoy the journey. Yeah, let me let me just circle back to, to one other thing before we have a couple of closing questions. And that is, to me, it seemed like coaches are what successful people have. You know, you hear the Michael Jordans and the Tiger Woods and, you know, all the famous people out there. Even, even CEOs and stuff have coaches that most people don't realize. And the logic a lot of people might have is, well, of course they have. They're super successful people. They can afford to hire coaches. But in reality, which one comes first? Do you get successful and then you hire a coach? Or do you get successful because you understand the value of coaching? Because there's a there's an amazing thing. My wife and I were shopping the other day, and it's easy to look at other people and point out things that you would do differently, kind of putting it nicely. But I, I made it turn that around and said, I wonder what people are looking at us and saying. Because it's so much easier to look from the outside in and say, you know, if, if I could help somebody, this is where I would guide them. And I think that's the real power of a coach that we touched on before is that looking from the outside in, someone's going to look at you and see some things that could coach you on that you don't necessarily see for yourself. So anyway, I'm just putting it out there. Do you think that's the right approach is you become successful by having the right people around you that can coach you and, and put, point you in the right direction? Uh, well, as a coach, uh, I would be a fool to say no to that. Yes, I absolutely think that having a coach and, and again, going back, your parents were your coach growing up. Your teachers were your 
coaches, if you want to use that term for a teacher, because essentially they're a coach. They're trying to implement strategies so that you learn them so that you can apply them. Same thing as, as, as what I do. I try to teach you strategies and, and get you to implement them so that you reach your goals. And, and I'll give you my own perspective before I ever had a coach, because I didn't have a coach through all of uh, the real estate. I didn't have a coach through my headhunting business. I didn't have coaches through these earlier businesses. I have coaches now in my life. And they're the reason I am successful simply because they hold me accountable to the things that I want to do. But not only that, they give me their feedback based on their experience and their other clients' experiences that they've learned from that they can now give to me. So it's not necessarily what they tell you to do a lot of times or, or what a coach will tell you to do. A lot of times it's what a coach tells you not to do, what mistakes you don't have to make. Learn through other people's mistakes. So when I first thought of a, of hiring a coach, I was in a seminar and the speaker went through that Michael Jordan thing and, and, and you know, all these people have coaches. But the one that really stuck out for me, because this was several years ago, it was around the NBA playoff times for the sports fans out there. And there was a player by the name of Dirk Nowitzki, which was in the finals. They had won the finals against the Miami Heat. But he said something that was very interesting to me. And I remember watching the game at the time so I could completely relate. He said, Dirk Nowitzki, they kept putting a camera on his shooting coach that was in the stands and watching his expressions as Dirk was having his success on the court. When you have the best player in the world at the time, he was league MVP and obviously ended up being finals MVP. And all he's done probably since the time he was five years old is shoot a basketball. And the only thing he's done all through his life is shoot a basketball. That's how he makes his living. And he continues to have a shooting coach. Why wouldn't I have a coach to show me how to do things that I don't even know how to do? And that really stuck with me. I hold so much value in what my coaches have to say to me. And I will honestly say, and I tell this to my clients, and I don't know that I've ever shared this with you, Charles. I say, I don't know everything. And if what I say, if the shoe fits, wear it. And if it doesn't pertain to you in that moment in your life, throw it away. Because I don't know everything and I don't know what always works for you. All I can do is offer support, advice, and guide you through the process to get you to your goals much quicker than you're already at. So don't believe a word I say because I come from my experience. But my experience will probably help you get to where you want to go, if that makes sense. Most most people try to sell you that they're the most important, smartest person in the world, <laughs> and there's a lot of pushback. So it, it goes a long way when you say that I don't know everything. Take what, you, take what works for you and leave the rest behind. So do you have a favorite personal development book that you've read? I have uh, some interesting books that I've, I've read recently. And I don't always have time to read now, so I do a lot of audio books. There's a book out there right now by Napoleon Hill that he wrote in 1938, but was just published in 2011. And it's actually called Outwitting the Devil. And it's Napoleon Hill's work of 25 years that it took him to put this compilation together. And he's actually having a conversation with the devil, obviously, in his own words. And what the book is, entails is how we have these inner voices. You know, you, you, you envision that angel and that devil on your shoulder, and they're always arguing back and forth. Well, this is his conversation with the devil and 
how the devil has manipulated us, if you would, into fear-based and stopping us from attaining things that we want to attain. And I, I, I find it so powerful because if you, if you understand where he's coming from and can apply it to your own life and not and stop listening to some of that chatter in your mind, we'll always have it. You can't get rid of it. The devil's never going to go away as a metaphor of that voice in your mind. It's never going to go away. But if you could become conscious of what it's saying and ignore it at times, you could be that much more productive and successful. And another book that I always say for anybody who is interested in, in being an entrepreneur or anything like that, or, or just basic knowledge of, of life, is Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I think uh, it is a very good 101 version of an introduction into the real world that we're not really taught in school. If, if you could grasp some of those concepts in that book, whether it be in your career or you want to pursue things outside of your career, that's a great book, in my opinion. I think Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a very well-known book that lots of people have read. Outwitting the Devil, I actually read when it first came out a couple of years ago, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that one because I think I'm going to go back and reread it because it had some very, very good messages that were very pertinent to me when I read the book about just how to how to how to live your life and pursue the things that you're you're good at and stop listening listening to all that negative stuff that comes from the devil. And and how far along have you come in the last three years since reading that book? <laughs> oh, yeah, my life changed tremendously about eight years ago. I've been on a huge roller coaster, mostly going up. But there's been a lot of bumps and trials and tribulations, and things seem to come along at the at the right time and at the right place. And that just seemed to be a great book for me at the time, but I think now would be a good time to go back and read it. One last question, then we're going to wrap it up. Perfect. Imagine you woke up tomorrow, you had no job, no connections, what would you do to get back on your feet again? Wow. It's a tough one. It's kind of like the, <laughs> the thing you're talking about, other people's money and Robert Allen getting in line and, you know, or, or making the statement that he could go anywhere, any city, and with with no money and no connections. I forget what he had, $50 and a laptop or something. I don't know. But he he would be, you know, he'd be making money within a week. So in the jobs market, just knowing what you know and the things that you've done so far, if you cut off everything and tomorrow you had to start all over again, how would you get back up and going? You know what, Charles? That's a, a, an amazing question, and I will share with you this because it actually brought a lot of emotion up in me when you asked it because I've been there. I didn't have but $1,000 that was depleted pretty quickly at one point in my life, and because I had been an entrepreneur on my own, I didn't really have a team around me other than contractors that I subcontracted out and things like that. I didn't have any connections. I had been out of the workforce for a number of years. What I did at the time, I literally just put my head down and started working. I, at one point, getting, and, and I don't know that this pertains to, to everybody else because I am an entrepreneur and I just do have that work ethic. At one point, I had six different jobs all at the same time. And because I knew I never wanted to feel that feeling again. And, and I shared this with a client recently is, is sometimes you just need to focus on one thing. And my focus at the time was getting out of my literal hell because it was hell for me. And I focused and, and the way I did it was to just obtain any job. I went from making sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 per deal, not per year, per deal, to literally working a job where I was making $15 an hour and happy to have a job. 
I think sometimes people think they're above certain things. Uh, if, if most people that made hundreds of thousands of dollars a year had to go back and accept a humbling job, there's a lot of resistance to that. Realize that you are no bigger than the position you are in. And if you could sit there and say that I'm no bigger than the position I'm in, there's a lot of people out there with a lot of knowledge, a lot of skills, a lot of you know education. But if there's not a job that matches those education, you may have to step back before you can move forward. And there's no shame in that because of what you know and the knowledge you have, even though you might have to step back. If you step back and take that and do it humbly and you put in 100% effort at whatever position you're at, if you have to go back and you're a rocket scientist and you have to be a janitor sweeping floors, if you are the best floor sweeper that they've ever had, somebody's going to recognize that. And because you're in a position of an establishment that might have other jobs, that will get recognized and your work ethic will be recognized. And you'll probably be able to move forward because people recognize that. But if you walk into a position and say, hey, I'm above that, nobody wants to work with someone who is better than everyone around them. So if you could humble yourself, because it's a humbling position that you just asked me this question, if you could humble yourself and realize where you're at is just circumstance and doesn't have to be there forever, I think you could get right back to where you want to be much faster than fighting and resisting because you think you deserve a position larger than you are in that moment. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Yeah, attitude is everything. And the, one of the key words you said to me early on was you, you had the job and you were happy to have it. Not acting happy, but actually happy to have it and then doing your best at it and then getting recognized and moving forward, which we said before, that's what happiness is, is moving forward in life. I think that's probably the, the perfect way to end it. I appreciate you, Ryan. I appreciate you in my life. I appreciate you as my coach. I appreciate just the way you live your life, and, and uh, I appreciate all the things you shared with me today. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Charles. It's been an absolute pleasure, and, and I want to acknowledge you and, and, and let you know that I appreciate everything that you're doing and moving forward in your life, and you're doing an exceptional job, and, and that's what life is all about, moving forward. So thank you for having me today. This episode of Reverse Interview is over. Please visit reverseinterview.com right now for more information about this episode and to get all of the insider scoop to land your dream job. That's reverseinterview.com. We'll see you next time on the Reverse Interview Podcast.